Wipeout on the Amiga. In 1989, it's Power Drum on Amigos, everything Amiga. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're talking about Power Drum. Yes, it sounds cool. It sounds like yeah. one of those old movies you sort of skipped back in the day. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Well, you had your Thunder, was it Thunder Drum? Was Thunder that the Dome. name of Mad Max? It was Thunder it Dome, Dome boat. Hmm. Yeah, Thunder I Dome. Guess it's the rarely used R in the word. You know what a bicycle racing course is called, don't you? Uh, a, a pedal drum. Almost. It's called a velodrome oh, for I, I, reasons I, I don't completely understand. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they race too many types of things these days. It used to be, mean? you know, back in the good old days, you had your foot race, you had your chariot race. Yeah. And that was it. Now you've got lawnmower racing, drone racing. You ever watch any drone racing? You know, when, when I first heard about that. What a waste of time that sport is. When I first heard about like that racing, I thought to myself, you know, mm. this might is gonna be the best thing I ever saw. That's what I no. thought. And then I watched some guys, and these guys were super excited about how great it was. They're like, "This is great!" And then I watched it, and it, I didn't think it was great. I thought it was boring. You yeah. know, and when they yeah. can equip those things with like uh like guns or, or like you know knives or something, I'm in. Really, but, that's what you need if you're gonna race some sort of unorthodox vehicle. There better be a, a violent component to it. That's yeah. what keeps you interested. I agree. I agree, Boat. And, uh, yeah, well, no. you know, and maybe lasers when they get that yeah. far. You know, you remember, mm-hmm. you ever watch Battle Bots? Yeah. Yeah. Now, see, I, that's not fan. boring. I like it. I like you know? it. And they've got and the Battle thing Bots. About that Battle have Bots drones, too, you know, the thing about Battle Bots is that they, they were like, okay, we're going to have these two robots get in there and destroy each other. But they were thinking ahead and they were like, you know what? Some of these robots are probably going to malfunction. They're probably not. You're going. We don't want to end up in a situation where it's like soccer and you end up with a lot of ties. That's not the American way. So what they did was they put in all kinds of just random saws on the course that you can push the battle bots into. They got a hammer that just randomly comes down. That's the kind of stuff we love here in US of A. Did you ever watch? Uh, see, I, I think this actually started in the UK because there's a it was a show called Robot Wars. I think that's what it's called. Mm, and they had a real start in the UK. So here's what they did. They had the robots face off, two or three robots, right? But they also had the house robots. And the house robots were, like, the size of, like, a small cow. And they, they yeah. would have, like, giant sledgehammers and flamethrowers. Like, they were massive. And so if you got right. caught by one of those, they would, like, and at the end of the match, if you lost, they would just come out and just destroy the remnants of your body. They were so hate-filled. That's I hated great. that. I was so horrible. You know, but, yeah, they are, they're naming them in the chat. Matilda, Sir Kill-A-Lot, you know, all these they were brutal, but I mean, it wasn't boring. They need that in drone racing. They just have what? like instead of a drone, just have a guy with a bow and arrow. What's the thing they have at the tractor pools that looks like Godzilla? <laughs> Truck, um, Truckosaurus, Truckzilla. Truckosaurus, they yeah. yeah. They need to bring him to the BattleBot scene. You know, yeah. Well, I mean, that's fire. sort of what they had. They, they did have a guy that would eat your bot. They were brutal. I love it. You know, it was great. I love that, it. So that's what we need—a happy medium somewhere in there. Is there is there a type of racing that we have not seen yet that you would like to see? You know, they're having that big uh, 
the big racing in uh, Las Vegas thinks this weekend. Yeah, F1. Right? It's been F1. a total disaster. Like, uh, has it? I haven't heard. Yeah. I, I didn't know it even started. They, they brought they brought all the fans out. Yeah. On the first lap, one of the cars hit a manhole cover that was not properly secured. Yeah. Then they're like, we've got to check all the manhole covers now. And they sent all the people home. Man, and, and that, that was they, the end. They said they were going to raise like a trillion dollars for this thing. So they've raised a lot of heck, is what they raised. What they need to do is okay, you've got the streets lie with those goofs, right? Mm-hmm. You ever played Carmageddon? That's what yeah. I'm looking that for. That sounds like an Xbox One game. Or no, it's an old PC game. But what you do oh, okay. is you race a bunch of other killer cars and you can win mm-hmm. one of three ways. You can win by is just this winning. Is this the game with Sweet Tooth? No, that's that's the whole that's a different game. But okay. Carmageddon, you can win by winning the race, like laps, and it's sort of like the F1. Or you could kill all the other racers, right? Or you could kill every watcher, every bystander. You could just run them over. Really? You know, oh my and so, God. I, so let's think of a, I don't know how you would do it. Like, we don't have to necessarily kill people, but maybe. Is this a graphically some, violent game? Well, and see, in the UK, they changed the blood to, from red to green, so they were zombies you were running over. See, it's not, the um, illusion was complete with that. Right. I wouldn't mind seeing something like that from, like, afar. You know, like Death mm. Race. I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Mm. I don't want to necessarily see people get killed. The thing you were talking about is the bum points out was tw- the Twisted Metal series. Twisted goofier, Metal. That was, a, that was a PlayStation game. Yeah, it's a goofier, lamer attempt at what Carmageddon got right the first time, in my humble opinion. Although people love Twisted Metal, so... Mm-hmm. There you go. Well, but yeah. Let's leave Twisted Metal and talk about Power Drone. Mm. Bam. Tell the story of that theme, Bo. That was interesting to me. So I started playing this game. And uh, like many people, I, I believe, they start playing it without the documentation. <laughs> and I was getting nowhere fast. I was, uh, in your words, I was sucking hind tit. <laughs> and so uh, Good use instead of, the of uh, continuing to do that, I decided to move over to the uh, computer to look up the docs. Yeah. And uh, I, um, I let the game just sort of roll. You know, I was at the title screen. And uh, I'm looking up the documentation. I'm reading. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to try this. And all of a sudden, I hear And I was like, holy cow, what is that? Well, the game had sprung to life in a musical way. Yeah. And uh, this is the first game I've ever played where they don't put the title music right up front. Yeah. They make you they make you just wait it out. <laughs> it's It's like it's a reward for sitting there at the title screen. So this game does have cool music. I uploaded it to our YouTube channel. Um, and, uh, it, but you, you gotta wait for it. You gotta wait for it. It's funny because really there's only one guy credited to this game. It's like he was the King dog and that was just mm-hmm. Michael Powell. Right. So presumably maybe he wasn't confident in his musical abilities. So he thought, I'll stick this way in the back. Maybe EA was like, listen, we demand music. He's like, okay. And he, you know, who knows? <laughs> you know, that's a <laughs> weird <knows>? thing. <laughs> yeah. You never know. So. The Power Drome. You're in the Power Drome uh, boat. Mm-hmm. This came out. So now, this was not an Amiga original, Boatster. Amazingly, this one started out as an ST joint. They got an mm-hmm. 88. Then the Amiga got sort of a tweaked, I would say slightly updated version. 
in 89. And then the DOS folks, they brought up the rear uh, in 1990. So this was a three-pronged attack uh, in terms of the release on this. And you can, and I will say, if you look at the advertising, like it was always planned this way. ST first, coming soon to the Amiga, blah, blah, blah. So they had a plan. I mentioned it that uh, Michael Powell is that he's the creator, programmer. He's the he's the the one man show on the old on the old Power Drome. I looked up what this guy did, both, and it's funny we just covered one of his games a while back. Uh, the old uh, I think he was the guy that did that sub two twenty fifty game that he was involved in that bad boy. Remember the submarine game we played a while back? Yeah. Yeah, that, and then he also did a game called Wonderland, which I keep hearing about, but I've never I've never seen it or played it. You ever check checked mm. out Wonderland? It sounds like one of those dreadful Alex Kidd games. <laughs> I thought it would be like a, a a graphical text game, but I could be wrong. No, we're talking about the Amiga that you're probably on the right track. Yeah, there you go. Uh, this game has uh, uh, is a one or two player joint, uh, and we'll get to that in a little while. Uh, and originally sold both for £24, 95p. Not a bad price. No. Uh, when this game comes up, it's it's really the game, the game's opening and everything. They sort of hide the awesome nougat that this game has in, this, in its in a gooey center. Because when mm-hmm. this thing comes up, it's sort of, let's just say it, it's bland looking. Yeah. The menus are yeah. bland, brother. It's bland. It's bland in all the worst ways. Yeah. Because not only not only do you get the, the everybody's favorite, the old icon driven menu. Oh man, you got to have them. You've got the tiniest icons you ever saw in your old dang life. I mean, they are really really small, and it's really hard to tell what they are. And yeah. the whole thing with icons is it's supposed to be easy. This is what I like to call the settlers problem. And so this is a game where <laughs> you have to consult the documentation to do even the most basic things. Yeah. the uh, When you bring this thing up, you remember when we played, and this is sort of timely, we've played the Lotus series. And when that thing comes mm-hmm. up, it's got a bunch of icons, but they're big, sort they're of big easy to understand beautiful. icons. You can see, you look at these yeah. things like, oh, I see manual or standard transmission. Okay, track selection okay you're right this one you look at it, you're like what in god's name is this and so if once you read the docs and they tell you what they are you can be like oh okay i can see where they were going uh on this thing so what you've got here when when this thing comes up you've got basically nine which by the way nine is way too many buttons on the opening screen with no text you got nine mm-hmm. buttons here and just to go through them uh the first button will let you select the track the second button lets you look at the other your fellow racers. The third button lets you start a championship. The fourth button lets you practice the track you've selected. The fifth button lets you start the race. Uh, the sixth button lets you tweak the car. And then the, the last couple buttons there are to uh, fiddle with your ma- whether you want to select mouse, joystick, and whether you want to play multiplayer. All right, that rounds out the buttons. Something tells me this there's a better way to do it. Uh, in fact, any other way I'd say would be the better way. So. <laughs> This game, did you look into the history of, like, does this game have, like, a backstory boat that you looked into? Uh, as far as I can tell, no. Uh, I, I believe that the game is set in the future just because of the fact that there are flying cars. Yeah. But uh, I don't I don't remember. I must say, if there is a backstory, it was so uninteresting that I skimmed over it. I had a, I had a look at the manual. You're much like you said. You have to look at the manual. And the backstory is pretty lame so uh, just mm. a, a, i mean there isn't one you're right 
So basically what the manual says is Power Drome gives you a chance to enter the lightning-fast world of Typhoon Pilot competing at the Power Drome XXIV. That's was at 2024 against four of the galaxy's meanest, most determined pilots to win the coveted Cyber Newf Trophy. The you old the, Cyber Newf. The old Cyber Newf. I'm sure I'm butchering the name, but they should have made that name easier. Yeah, uh, and, then, and then it goes into what you can do, uh, including the amount of tracks and whatnot. But, I mean, so that's there's, that's pretty much the that's your backstory, as far as I could tell, in the manual anyway. I didn't see anything else about it. So let's get down to the nitty-gritty here, Boat. Uh, you are now uh, entering the land of professional power drone racers. Well, power drone racers require you to pick a track, practice, all the stuff you do a normal racer. How would I would say the power drone racers, the the racers you're using, are sort of like uh, hovercraft ships uh, that go off the ground but not too far, and then your the races are performed in like a uh, what would you call it, but a trench? Would that be the best trench. way to put they're it? All, they're all this is this is trench run the game. It's like stun runner with much higher walls. I guess it'd be. Best way to put well, it. And let's get well, Stunrunner. Stunrunner also has. It's got stuff like where you can do like you're attached to the ground in Stunrunner. That's the the big difference is that Stunrunner you're actually a hovercraft. Yeah, yeah in you're this right. Game, you are a flying machine. This is like what if you played uh, stunt car racer in a ship. It's yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Really uh, this game uh, the the ships have various uh, influences. Your your the craft that you pilot. Reminds me of the Cobra from Elite, the 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 starting ship that you have in Elite. Yeah. Um, but the, you're Ooh. you're up against uh you're up against some uh some ships that look like one of them looks uh, sort of like a B wing, uh from from Star Wars, uh and the other ones sort of look like snow speeders. So uh, that you've got a variety of craft. This is not like Lotus where you're racing against a million cars that all look the same. Right. So, I mean, this game is really easy to describe, okay? You you pick a track, you put your name in, and then, you, like, the basic track is just an oval, a flat oval. I mean, by flat, I mean, you. it's still a, it's still a trench, but it's just flat. And you go around this, you're, you go around the trench in your hover car, and you uh, try to get some laps in. That's, that's that easy part. Now, you're thinking to yourself, Okay, uh, amigo Aaron, uh, hover car sounds hard to like it might be hard to drive. Like, how do you do that with one button? Well, good question. The answer is you don't. Uh, in fact, this game looks at the one button joystick and laughs. You could have a thousand button joystick, it wouldn't be enough for power drone. This thing's got keyboard commands to beat the band, tons of them, all sorts of keyboard commands, all important all the time. Uh, you also get the choice of controlling this with the mouse or the keyboard. Now, I had the pleasure to try both control uh, methods, Boat. Just to, just to, just to clarify, the mouse yeah. or the joystick? What did I say? Keyboard. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, joystick. My bad. And so, I, in fact, I broke out the good stick. I broke mm -hmm. out other sticks. The, of course, we didn't really have analog control, but I found one. I got one here. The gamepad has the analog, you know, simulated mm -hmm. sort of. And I can tell you right now, uh, <clears throat> I couldn't drive this thing with the mouse under any circumstances. There's a zero percent chance I could yeah. do that with yeah, multiple this is mice. One, this is one of these games that was made for a ball mouse with an incredibly yeah. uh, low sensitivity. 
If you try and drive this thing with a modern laser mouse, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna be yeah. successful. I I tried. This is the first I tried the old uh, uh, wireless tank mouse. Remember these that came out a couple months ago? Mm-hmm. That was that was there was no dice, brother. And so I try, I even had a trackball boat that I broke out to try to play this game. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna cut right to the chase before we get any further. Uh, my power drone like piloting skills were double butt. I couldn't control my ship or the crap. If I went over a certain, I mean, uh, if I went over a snail's crawl, I was teetering out of this thing like when Darth Vader got whacked out of the trench, just drifting hither and yarn into space. Uh, because on top of the fact that you've got to go through this trench, you've also got to get hit, keep from hitting the walls, keep hitting the floor. Now, they do have some assist in that department uh, via keyboard command that will basically keep you at a certain level. Uh, but it's it, I would say this game's the difficulty in this game, the game itself is the control. Would you concur? You have to master the controls to be able to be successful at the game, yes. How was your luck, Bode? Well, you have to you have to play this game in a certain way. This is not a casual racing game. This is not Super Mario Kart. Um, what you're doing is you have one hand at all times, either on the mouse or the joystick, uh, and your other hand is right there on the keyboard. In particular, what you're doing, this game is really a game of increasing and reducing your centering field strength, okay? Because as you play, no matter what you do, you're going to take damage, okay? Damage management is a huge part of this game. So as you increase your centering field strength, it keeps you from uh, it keeps you from running into the sides of the track. It will keep you straight and narrow, but it doesn't stop you from getting rammed by other ships. And unless your centering field strength is just on the maximum, you're still going to hit the walls sometimes because you're you're going through all these twists and turns, especially once you get off the first track. Oh. So to repair yourself. The game gives you an option. The game gives you uh, the the pit lane, okay? And unlike a lot of racing games, this pit lane is easy to hit. It's easy to see. What they've done is they've replaced one of the uh, polygonal tiles or one of the polygonal shapes with a green shape instead of a red, white, or gray shape. So you know that if you'd fly directly into that green square, it's a flashing green and black square that you will enter the pits. And once you go into the pits, you can uh, switch out all of your, um, you can switch out all your parts. You can switch out your wings, switch out your nose cone, um, and repair your damage. You can also refuel. So uh, now the problem is, is that as you're cruising around with your centering field strength on, unless you lower your centering field strength down all the way, you can't go into the pit because that requires you to run into a wall. Okay? So this game is a balancing act of increasing and decreasing your centering field strength. Now, another thing that you have to consider, and this is said at the beginning of each track, is you have different filters that you have to put on, okay? So, for example, on some tracks, you get random rainstorms. So you got to make sure you put your rain filter on. In some tracks, you've got a sulfurous environment, and so you have to use your sulfur filter, okay? Well, what happens if you're in the sulfur environment and then it starts to rain? Well, you've got a pit and you've got to change out your filter. So these are all things that can affect your speed and your control 
while you're constantly increasing and decreasing the centering field. You're spinning plates like nobody's business in this game. And one thing you're not doing is winning the race because the computer <laughs> never seems to have any trouble with any of this stuff. They're flying around you. They're lapping you six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. And you're just trying to make it around the track. So for me, the fun of this game, the quote unquote fun of this game is more in the seeing how well you can uh, get your lap times going. <laughs> Uh, this game, it, when you go to qualify, you can go around the track as many times as you want to to get the lowest uh, lap, that, the lowest lap time to, to determine where you start the race. Um, but uh, a fun, again, quote unquote, fun way to play this might be to just go around and qualifying and see how low you can get your track time. Uh, this the, the tracks in this game come with a bunch of different uh, obstacles. Uh, there are crushers that will either crush your car or your ship uh, vertically or horizontally. So you got to be able to fly through those. There are pits that you have to jump over by using your afterburners. Uh, using your afterburners, again, it's a keyboard command. So yep. I, there are, I'm looking at the, the keys right now. Almost every letter key is used. Uh, and the numpad in this game plus the numpad this is another <laughs> one of these games that if you've got an a600 or uh or some such amiga without the numpad if you're living that wedge mr life lame then uh you're going to be screwed uh this is a game that requires 100 percent of your attention and does not reward it in fun uh, it just <laughs> rewards it in frustration and uh you know i played this game this week because we we had to if i was doing this just to sit down i would not have lasted even after i learned how to play it you know jiggering around with the centering fields it's still just not very fun it's not a very fun game it's a game that i'm sure sold a ton of amigas I bet this was a game that they put in the window of stores and let it run, you know, let the demo mode run uh, because it is very impressive, especially for 1989. Now, if you're watching the video right now, uh, the video of this was recorded on an advanced Amiga, uh, an O number O processor, not your, your bog standard 68,000. Uh, the game is known for running at a very chuggy, slow speed on the A500. Um, and this is uh, about how it ran for me on the O20. I mean, I, it, yeah. pretty much this is this is if you got an Amiga 1200 or more, you're good to go. Although, to be honest with you, Boat, unless you're a, a, a seasoned pilot, you're not going to go this fast because yeah. you're going to yeah. because otherwise you'll just ram stuff. And, and uh, a lot of times, a lot of times, too, um, people will say that if you really want to get good at this game, you have to use the mouse. I read that over and over again. Yeah, and if you're, using a, if you're using an emulator or a mister or whatever, you're going to have to fool around with your DPI settings. And to me, that's just a step too far. I'm not going to go that far to become a, a power drum champion. Um, you know, but all that said, for 1989, I think this is a pretty impressive technical achievement. Uh, it is a oh, different yeah. spin. It's a different spin on Stunt Car Racer, although the games do share a lot of similarities. Uh, the game does have a lot of sort of uh, interesting uh, HUD devices. You can press a key to see uh, the current leader status. You can press a key to bring up a map. Uh, you can even, if you get to the point where you can no longer drive because your engine is crippled or you've run out of fuel, you can call up a, uh, <laughs> a rescue craft 
and it a will record. it will pull you back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so, but again, if you if you are run into that situation, there's no reason to continue the race because there's no possible way that you're going to come back. This game playing against these computer opponents. I mean, this game is really a game that needs an, a, a difficulty level. It needs oh, it needs a lot of things. Um, yeah. But on the whole, again, just like so many Amiga games that we play, sort of ahead of their time, uh, that the technology hadn't really caught up with the, the the vision. But it's an interesting relic of what a 3D sort of, a, you know, uh, a, a spacecraft racer looked like in the 80s. <clears throat> You know, I would mirror a good chunk of what you said there, Boat. Uh, and that the you mentioned the HUD. Uh, actually, the HUD's one of the stronger parts of the game. It tells you what's mm-hmm. malfunctioning. It gives you a lot of information. It tells you which of your engines are burning up at any one moment. If you've burned up your afterburner, if your filters are burned up, it gives you all the bad information that you don't want to see. I'm sure it gives you good information if you're good enough. I've heard a lot of people talk about this game. In terms of, it's funny, this game is known as being ridiculously hard, okay? Mm-hmm. But I have heard from people that if you, once you get good at it, it's quite simple, which is, which I, is astounding to me. The levels on this, uh, instead, you know, we talked about the oval, but you've got, these levels are three-dimensional. So you're dropping down shafts, you're going up shafts, you're doing all this crap, up and down hills. I mean... It's an OCS chipset game, okay? Uh, it's quite remarkable. I mean, it's a shame yeah. that this game isn't more e- easily playable because, I mean, it's quite a looker. I mean, it really mm-hmm. is. A, it's quite a, a feast for the eyes, the work they did here. And I like, I like a lot of the aspects uh, that they added. I like the idea you can look at the other racers. I like the idea that they added in the weather stuff, and they added in different environments. The tracks, I mean, are devious tracks i mean let's face facts i couldn't beat the first track and i tried the other tracks but i mean it was if you just like to run into the wall a lot that's what i would do over and over uh even with adjustments on the on my centering uh position you could go in here i mean if you're like one of these um uh engine crazy guys that like to go and tinker with stuff you could go in there and tinker with you know your, your racers and stuff the pit is this is as far from pit stop two as you could get. I mean, you're really in oh, there yeah. doing pit stuff, and you yeah, got and to. it looks cool. I love all the animations in the pit where they take away your old stuff and they put the new yeah. stuff on. All that's very impressive. Yeah, and and now when, when you go into the pits, then you have to drive to your stall in mm-hmm. the pit, which but that's still kind of cool. It's like a real pit, you know. Yeah. Parts of me, part of me, wants I, I, I want to say I like this. It's, the problem is I don't. I hate it. I hate this because I can't play this. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing worse than it. Sometimes you get a game that you can play, but it sucks, and that's bad. But it's worse when there's a game there that looks cool, but you can't play it because you suck or the controls suck. And that's what this right. is. It's infuriating. You know, this game has inspired me. Uh, you always hear, and I don't know that I read this anywhere, but Amiga people say this is sort of like that Babylon 5 thing. It's just one of these things that gets trotted out. That this game inspired Wipeout. I'm sure it's possible. I'm sure that one of the guys that made Wipeout, Wipeout's <clears throat> British game, it's on that stamp that they put out. Um, yeah. That they looked at that and they said, hey, this looks like something we could do. 
Wipeout is a game that was launched before the DualShock controller, so it, it controlled just with the D-pad. So <clears throat> I'm yeah. sort of interested. I may fire up the first Wipeout on the Mister tonight just to see what they managed to do as far as the way that your craft controls to make <laughs> it control easier than this game, because I'm sure it does. No. Get ready to be – I mean, well, yes, it does control easier than this game. I'll, if you've ever played Wipeout – don't expect to hop in that and take off. It's also hard to control, but okay. I mean you, that okay. one you can get you can you can come around to. We should mention boat, and this is what really kicks me in the uh, digital groin here, is that this game supports uh, no modem multiplayer. Okay, mm. now that's pretty good, but it supports no modem serial no modem multiplayer over different systems. This is Just another like one you can hook an ST. Yeah up to now the amiga has one extra map than mm -hmm. the st but mm -hmm. you can hook an you can hook an st up and pre, i presume i read it was across all platforms so presumably you could also hook up a pc your mileage may vary who wants to do that uh, but you can hook up your st to this and have and have like a stunt car racer style battle if you if you would like but of course <laughs> that might be a bad uh, spectator sport that if you're both equally bad at this, if me and both played this together, both computers would just explode because yeah. they wouldn't want to be involved in that. But it is <laughs> neat that they put that in, you know, boat. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, and this, this is something, this is uh, again, um, sometimes the fun in something like that is just the fact that it works. You know, you yeah. hook them up and you're like, oh man, I see you see me, I see you too, you know, and, and, yeah. and there's a joy to be had in that. I, I it's I looked in the manual because I read this, but I I had to go and look for myself. And if you look in the back of the manual, it does show you how to build the cable. So I mean, it mm -hmm. will. It, it if you cool. don't have one, you could build one. So that's kind of neat. I like mm -hmm. it when guys put add that kind of. And it looks like the, uh, I mean, there's a big button on the front screen for it, so it looks like it wouldn't be that difficult to get going. Mm -hmm. I mean, heck, I played no modem on the Coco, so I'm sure the Amiga could pull it off quite nicely. I mentioned this had a DOS uh, port. I had a look at the both ports just to see how they looked, and surprise, surprise, they're they're identical. They're very well, similar. The DOS version is running a lot smoother, like twenty. Yeah, the DOS faster. version, boy, it would. It came out a year later, and and uh, a year is not that long, though. Well, it came out two years later. You got to think though, the the Amiga version was based on the ST version. I doubt. I, I'm pretty sure they probably rewrote this from the ground up for the probably PC. Probably so. Probably so. Uh, but I mean, they didn't change the graphically. They look. I mean, if you look at the control panels, they look and again, very whenever, similar. Whenever we're looking at this DOS footage, we have no idea what's going on under the hood either. So right. This could be yeah, the super yeah, mega yeah. DOS machine of death. Yeah. Well, if this would have been a DOS machine of 1990, so you could have had a, a pretty decent machine. I'm, I'm talking about what the average average person would have had. Mm -hmm. You know, it would have been. And we talked about this. There's a tipping point. Uh, I believe we've been pictured. The, I remember the game we looked at. There was a game we played that, like, we're like, okay, this is where it tipped over. Uh, I don't remember what it was that. Uh, it was that uh, uh, cyberpunky game we played. Uh, the uh, I can't remember the name of it. Anyway, um, anyway, final thoughts on this thing. Uh, I wish I was better at it, but I'm not, and it wasn't fun. I it, it's sad that I have to agree with both super negative uh, uh, opinion of this, but it's mine's also negative. When I started playing this at first. I was so excited the way it looked, but it just frustrated me to no end. If you have a good mouse that you think can do the job, mouse is the way to go. But joystick, I had all sorts of trouble. This is a game yeah. that really would, uh, an analog control would be the way to go. 
And what you uh, really need too is a joystick that you can sit flat on a table. You're not going to do the ergo thing with this one. You got to have a command control or something that the the tack to something that you can stick, preferably with those suction cups to your table, because that your left hand is going to be keyboarding it up a hundred percent of the time. That's that, and that is that's a. You know, let's take a step back for a second, Boat. Pretend this game is just that engine that draws the, the canyon you go through. Why are we adding? You've got this incredible graphical feature, okay? Why are we adding? Why are we making me? You've got to hit the keyboard just to start your car. Like, oh, who yeah. thought that was that's, a good idea? That's that's. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's awful. That's one of the worst things about this game. When you unlock, can you imagine? In, in, a, in a real race, if part yeah. of the race was once the light goes green, everybody has to start their engine. I mean, horrible. And the computer, again, never has a problem. They jump out of there like a house on fire, and you you immediately sink to the bottom of the screen. You're hitting that E key. You finally go, you know, you hear the yeah. thing turn over, and then you take off. It's already over. Well, yeah, and something else, it just... Uh... Getting back to my original thought, you've got this uh, a very sharp engine. Mm -hmm. You could have done anything with this boat. You could have had just a motorbike going out through here and having it jump stuff. You could have made a stunt car racer type game where you're in a uh, like where you're racing down a can. You could have done any number of things. You could have even done it like flying ships, like you did. Just made it more like an arcadey centric game. But they didn't do that. They they this is where going simulator big mistake. This was a huge mistake. They should have kept it light and fluffy that's the way we like it this was too much too much tacked on get this boat I, uh, you may have read this but i was surprised by it they made they remade this game uh for the playstation 2 or the and the xbox in 2004 it was called power drone two words this time then they made mm -hmm. a, a, a pc windows version in 2005 and it was done by argonaut sheffield remember argonaut oh, studios this is Argonaut sheffield grounds you know, Argonaut, by the way, they also did the, one of the games we looked at a couple weeks ago on uh, ARG Present that was a dud. So they were they were hit and miss, brother. Mm. Uh, but uh, I hear that the, guess what, the uh, console versions of this, they take out a lot of the simulation parts and just make it more arcadey. Bam. Hey, good, good idea. Advice. Yeah. Yeah, real good, real good idea. Um, we got some magazine reviews before we get to the Discord on this boat. Uh, the first of all, the lemon people gave this a six point five three. Don't have a problem with that score, frankly. Um, the uh, magazines were mostly in line with the Mega Computing giving this an uh, or a Mega Format giving this a ninety two as the, probably the highest score. And then your low score that I see here was CU Commodore gave it a seventy seven. So mm. somewhere in the in the in the high C low B that middle a, a, in the eighties there average magazine score eighty four, I think that's a little. I mean again this was a looker, and this is probably one. And you mentioned this boat, and this was very astute of you. Maybe this is one that you just have to have that old school mouse to get the get get, get it honed in, and yeah. we just can't do it. But I tried it on because two I, different I, systems, I, can I couldn't do it. You get so much when when you're using the mouse. Of course, you get so much greater fidelity with the controls. You're moving in in all the directions. It's an analog sort of feel. I can yeah. see somebody really getting coming to grips with a control scheme and becoming good at this. Obviously, we're watching this guy play, and he's 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 all right. 
So um, yeah, it, this is one. This is just one of those games that it 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 doesn't do well bridging that emulation chasm. Did anybody um, on the Discord have the guts to try this one, Boat? Indeed, indeed. David Hearn Ryder writes, "Hey, Wipeout, Daddy's home." <laughs> I had a lot of fun with this one in the '80s. The novel blend of futuristic hover racing and F1 style hitting the sweet spot. The centering field to anchor your typhoon was necessary and an excellent game mechanic, helping you get to grips with the twitchy controls. Yes, the mouse is best to steer, but keep the swear jar close until you've sunk some time into the game. The atmosphere gimmick becomes a chore quickly, but other elements like pit stops, boost, and fuel type add a neat strategic element to this racer. Some of the tracks are devious, with dark tunnels, jumps, big drops, and Jibber Jibber the Crusher. Don't be fooled by those track maps. Apart from the first one, they're harder than they look. While not as accessible as the more grounded stunt car racer, at least you've got a few rivals to beat and race, and they are not easy beats. Ahead of its time, Power Room remains a classic racer. 7.5 out of 10 methane filters. <laughs> Very well written. Yeah, that's he the only guy that chimed in this week, Boat. That's the only one we got this week. Aaron. Well, I'm not I'm not real surprised because this one's sort of intimidating. Mm-hmm. I uh, um I looked this up. Oh, get I saw this on Moby. I thought I'd throw it in. The release of the game was delayed a few months because Michael Powell had a serious driving accident with his motorcycle. So oh. clearly, did not have his uh, gravity thing turned on at the time when that happened. Yeah. But thankfully, he recovered. I looked this up on the eBay. Uh, I saw a couple of these going. Uh, one of they had a hundred dollars of best offer. I saw one uh, completed box for ninety nine. I saw a budget version, a little bit cheaper, eighteen bucks. And I saw one of these sold for forty, forty big bucks. Boat. So someone out there somewhere wanted it. If mm-hmm. you have the time and patience, more than us, boat, I'd say mm-hmm. this might be one you could get into. But uh, not for me, boat. Not for me. Any Amiga repair technician what the most problematic component of a motherboard is, they'll undoubtedly mention capacitors. The electrolytic capacitors that ship with the Amiga are 30 years old or older at this point, and each one is a ticking time bomb waiting to explode battery acid all over your motherboard, sometimes damaging it irrevocably. Don't wait. Replace your capacitors now. Full capacitor kits for every Amiga model are available now at RetroRewind.ca. Don't want to attempt the repair yourself? Use their white glove recap service and leave the intricate removal and soldering process to the professionals using industry standard equipment. Use the promo code AMIGOS10 at checkout and save 10% off your cap kit or service. Remember, make RetroRewind.ca your first stop for all your Commodore computer needs. I told you. <laughs> Aaron, we got lots of Amiga news this week. Uh, we're going to start things off. Uh, you know, our Discord community is always an invaluable source of Amiga news. I, I Somebody told me about these when they first came out, and I completely forgot about them. There's this site. It's coming from the Czech Republic um aaron and this <laughs> yeah. is this is a, a guy is making a, a, a reproduction amiga boxes of all stripes um 
this is this is going to be your last weekend to buy these so hopefully you're watching live or watching soon after we release this episode so you can get on the board uh these are you you if you have an amiga that needs a box he's got you covered he's got uh 1200 cd32 600 500 he's even got your uh, different packs he's got the cartoon classics pack he's got uh, an amiga 1000 uh, uh box you know aaron i'm sort of tempted by that uh this is a chf 49 i want to say that that stands for chekla ahomlik franks and hey, look you can change um, it up here oh. let's change it to pounds that's close okay. to what we got. It's, there uh, you go. 55 US dollars. 55 US dollars. And apparently, this is uh, uh, the Swiss franc is what the CHF stands for. So oh, maybe I was wondering that, Switzerland. boat. Maybe yeah, Switzerland is the, uh, the .ch domain. So anyway, uh, I feel like that's a pretty fair price for what apparently is a, uh, a pretty good product. We have several people on our Discord that have, have bought these. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, uh, this is, like I said, this is your last week to pick up one of these boxes. He is stopping production after, after that. And, uh, and you're going to be out of luck. So, uh, check that well, out you, again. You think that price is shipped? I wonder if that's, it's no, a shipped I, price. I guarantee you it is not shipped. Well, it says uh, here he ships them flat in a large envelope. So they, I was yeah. just that, that, you know. Yeah, you but, uh, right. yeah, I, I mean. Know. Well, the thing is, think about the the disparity, the discrepancy in price between shipping something within Europe and to the United States. Oh yeah, yeah, we take a bath on this boat. Then again, going to England's no cheap rate anymore. They they pay big time. Absolutely. What, would you buy a fake? I mean, I, I hate to say fake a po a, a a dedicated box that was based on buy, the original yeah. box. Yeah, absolutely. Like that Amiga One Thousand box. I think that looks cool. I would proudly display that on my wall with all my other uh, system and in, in, in game boxes. I think that looks rad. Yeah, I mean they do. They look quite nice. I will say that uh, they 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 looks like this guy knows. Wonder why he's wonder why he's hanging it up. Probably just got sick of doing it, I guess. Yeah, but I mean it's yeah. kind of nice that it's uh, this. I will get say, while they're hot. Much like everything else related to, to Commodore, as the systems move on, the packaging becomes less and less impressive. The Amiga One Thousand box is a big full color picture of the amiga 1000 on oh, there this is nice though what about then that the, the, the 500 is uh you know it's got the picture on there then the 1200 no more photo it's just sort yeah. of a stencil and then the yeah. 600 no picture at all buddy <laughs> you get what you get and you don't throw a fit you get so. one go faster stripe and that's it you get nothing right. else white right. box you you i'll bro you're right i didn't notice that but i mean they redeemed themselves with cd32 at least they put color in that when it yeah. showed the, the cd32 i mean it looks like a product that you would find on a store shelf so what if he's got a cdtv one let's see if he's got hey look he does maybe let's look and see what it looks like look at that those as a like they got two versions to go faster stripe and then the nice version i wonder if he mm -hmm. just said this one looks like crap i'm gonna make my own i wonder if that maybe so maybe so <laughs> It's hard to I tell. Would, I don't got a problem with that. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm all about making things look better than they looked originally. So uh, maybe actually, you know, it's, it's just put my head. Sort of the same way as putting a rejuvenator board in your 1000. It looks yeah. like the thing, but it's 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 a better thing. So very good. Buddy. Anyway, check that out. Now, speaking of retro sales, Aaron, uh, if you're the thrifty type, you're going to want to be able to save some money on this X5000 motherboard. Holy moly! So, one of these. Yeah, yeah. This is what we call the Level Lord Special. So uh, this is the famous or infamous Eon Cyrus motherboards, the Cyrus Plus. 
this has got all your slots it's got all your your needs for your power pc powered um next gen amiga normally aaron this thing goes for a uh, 1900 euro it's now on sale there's only one of these left in stock you can pick one of these bad boys up for 1200 euro that's 37 percent off aaron are you tempted what is what is that an american fun bucks boat roundabout i'd say it's about 1300 bucks well, no, I'm not tempted, uh, the boat. To be honest with you, number one, this is a rich man's game, boat, and rich man, I am not. And secondly, I look at this board, and I mean, it. Listen, let's call this what it is. This thing's got PCI slots on it. This is an old, uh, mo this is an old PC board that they jacked up to do a, some. But it's red. Well, I mean. <laughs> It has the word breezin on it. You sound like Chris Edges with his purple board. He's like, the purple one. I don't care what color they are. They're in a, they're in a case. You never see them. No, because you get the case with the window, and then you throw it, in some RGB. I'll be honest with you. If I hadn't seen the Lord's A5000 in all its glory, if I'm going to get an a, uh, one of these X5000s, I'm not just getting the board. I want the same kind that the Lord's got. I want the, the level Lord special. Yeah. Immaculate looking like like it came down from heaven. That right. probably cost him uh, X five thousand euros when he bought it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's I just can't play in that in that area. Too rich for my blood, brother. But yeah, it's it's a I hope so, and I'm sure someone will you know the one thing though, Boat, they manufactured X amount of these boards, right? Mm -hmm. This is the last one. Okay. That makes me worry. When you're getting the very last one or something, <laughs> why is this the one that didn't get sold? You know, was it just yeah. on the shelf? I don't know. You, you know, know, it's like you've always got that one knocking around the warehouse. Like, Let's not sell that one yet because it's got the thing. You know. Okay, it, we were out, we're out of X5000. Let's go ahead and box up old Squeaky. <laughs> and that's what they did. I'm not saying that's what they did. So, But, yeah, hey, at that price, take a chance. That's the way I look at it if, you, if you're into that sort of thing. Retro8bitshop.com. Yeah. We got some um, game news this week, Aaron, from our buddy Neil at Indie Retro News. This is a, a game called Robot Jet Action. I like any game that has the word action right there in the title. I that love I the name of this. It's like they had a random name generator. Robot Jet Action. And they now, below it came to pass. This is a probably, you know, turned into my favorite genre of Amiga game. The, the single screen platformer. In the grand tradition of uh, of uh, Rodland uh, and uh, and games of that ilk, it looks like this is a game where you are uh, you're a, you're a robot. Uh, you have a jetpack and you are collecting um, some some shinies uh, and uh, avoiding bouncing eyeballs in robots. So uh, if that sort of thing sounds like your cup of tea, uh, this is based off uh, a, a C sixty four port. Uh, you can download that uh, right now, I believe. Actually, no, I'm, I'm sorry. It is, it is it, not yet. It's an uh, early it, development. It, yeah, yeah. Proof of concept video from Saberman. You can check it out. But uh, I'm sure this thing will be coming out. Uh, it was released for the C64 in 2022. Um, and like I said, uh, you know, I welcome more single screen platforming games. Let me tell you something. I, I'm a sucker for the old jetpack. All right, I like mm -hmm. Jetpack. I like Hero. You know, I mm -hmm. like that crap. Yep. So I see this guy bebopping around with the Jetpack. That makes me care. Like, so I'm down. It's done in Blitz Basic. I'm down with that. 
So, yeah, this looks like it could be a winner. Hopefully, they'll actually put this out. We may have to try the Commodore version of this to, to kind of get our feet wet, boat before we get into it fully. Now, Aaron, I want to ask you about this because I know that on ARG Presents, you guys have covered a lot of C64 games over the years. Uh, yeah, this yeah. is a uh, this is an Amiga demo of one of the C64 games, Labby Des Morts, mm. otherwise known as Abbeys of the Dead. This does ring a bell, Boat, if I'm honest. Hey, I didn't know. Did you, did you, you You can't remember if you've played this one or not. Well, there was one give me... game that you guys loved. You were gushing over, and I couldn't remember if it was this or if it was something else. I'm, I'm going to – we. You know, between the uh, Cammy's thing and all the every, all the new stuff I've tried, I it's hard for me to remember because my brain's old and feeble. But uh, the name of this rings a bell. Mm-hmm. It does look it looks like a C sixty four title, doesn't it? I mean, it does. well, this is a game that reminds me a lot of the Adams Family in a good way. Uh, this is this has got your named room. In fact, I mean, this is this is pretty much a dead ringer for this kind of a game. Uh, you've got your named rooms. It is a uh, a flip screen scroller, so it's like the ST version of the Adams Family. Um, but you're going through <laughs> uh, lots of different uh, environments. Uh, lots of colorful enemies. This thing seems to have shed its sort of uh, purple slime of the C64 color palette when it's made the the move over to the Amiga. Uh, I am all in favor brown of to me, this thing coming out. Oh, see, you know you're 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 a you're a monk. You're wearing the brown robe. You gotta look. You gotta be brown. So uh, anyway, uh, this thing was coated with the Scorpion engine, which is really the only thing that any game on the Amiga should be co- uh, coated on these days. And uh, according to the write-up, it will feature redrawn Amiga graphics, a whole new alternative map, and uh, 20 challenging rooms. So this is one I'm going to be checking out because this game is my jam and my bag. It looks pretty good to me, Boat. I, I like the look of it. I like mm-hmm. these sorts of games. I like the pace of it, too. You know, it's not like manic. You get in there and take right. your time. Right. Uh, I could be down. It's uh, So, yeah, that might be fun. Fun. Would you say this was due to be released, but I missed that part. Unknown, unknown when this thing is going to come out, but uh, we'll we'll keep you updated. I guess the yeah. demo is available right now. Yeah, that looks like a good one there, boat. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look at this. Now coming up next, Aaron, we got ten minute Amiga retrocast. Holy cow! He's abandoning his moniker, and now he's going to be known as the ten minute Atari <laughs> retrocast. <laughs> yeah. Doug is back with a video about the 400. Aaron, you gave this one a watch. What's Doug up to? Well, he's playing with, he got to goes over, he goes over the history of Atari 8 bits a little bit here, you know, before, and then he opens up uh, the Atari and starts playing. It's funny, he mentions that he, when he got this in the mail, he stuck a cartridge in it, plugged it in, you know, and then turned it on and he was like, man, this thing's not working. It's broke, you know. And then as he gets through this, he's like, oh, yeah, you got to close the lid. <laughs> the old lid. Oh, well, I've been down that road I before. Had, I had no idea. I've never uh, used a 400. I know you've owned several as part I've of that got, mother load that you got. <clears throat> I do um, have, uh, I believe, a 400 up on the shelf here. You know, the, hey, listen, uh, these computers were uh, leagues ahead of the others back in the earth. I mean, that oh, yeah. they were Just good computers. the cocoa deep beneath the earth. Well, no, I don't agree with yeah. that. But I mean, they there were they Come did on. some things much better, and they also had that really nice. What was that SCO port or whoever on the side? It was like the guy that designed that went on to do the USB standard. So I mean, he's mm-hmm. a he was a real trooper uh, when yeah. it came to that stuff. Uh, but hey, we both are Atari fans. 
Uh, yeah. And and this is fun to see Doug get in here and and mess around with the four hundred. Is the four hundred the king dong of the Atari eight bit line? God no. No. It's not even it's not even the jester dong. Yeah. But it'll get you through the night a lot of times. It, it'll play a lot of stuff. And well, here's the thing. I, if you're not if you're not concerned with typing, then the four hundred will give you uh, millions of years of enjoyment because as long as you didn't get one of the very early uh, like you know eight K versions, which the RAM is actually easily upgradable in these machines too, then uh, it's going to run ninety percent of what's out there. And then you put the FujiNet in this thing, get ready to go. Yeah, let me ask you, Boat, and you may not know this, but I'll ask anyway. Was there a what was the t- ceiling on the on the uh, memory upgrades on these older ones? Do you know? Was there a, was it was eight as think, high as you could think, go? No, no, no. I think six, I think the four hundred and the eight hundred could both go up to sixty four k. And the twelve hundred XL, how far could you take that one? That well, was it, your baby. It, it, it came with sixty four k, but as far as I know, it was it definitely does not have easily upgradable RAM. Does does the uh, did the XL the eight hundred XL come with sixty four k as well? Yeah, they're they're all sixty four k. Yeah. And really, uh, until, the, you the, until you get to the XE line, I think the XE line uh, doubled the RAM there. Though, like the 130 XE might have had 128. The one thing you get when you buy one of these, first of all, if you if you're a home listener or you're watching with us, if you haven't taken a, a look at the 8-bit line, you know you 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 owe it to yourself to do it. Because well, first a lot of all, of, if you're if you're an Amiga fan at all. The father of the Amiga computer was the Atari 800. Jay Miner designed the Atari 800, and then he designed the Amiga. So right. it's the direct successor, not the C64. But but take all that out. Let's just say you're just a guy who want to play some games. You're going to see some unique titles on the 8-bit Atari that you're not going to see in other places, and you're going to see titles that you see in other places with a different slant. Doug also mentions how good the sound is on this, which he's right. The the Atari had a great sound chip in it, mm-hmm. and it's a fun machine. You know, you can go out and get you some cartridges for it. Doug Doug puts it over. I'd say he didn't he didn't bury it, boat. I was I was quite pleased to see him put it over, uh, and uh, it it should be put over. It's a good machine. He buried the ST. Don't get me wrong, but he did put this over. So if you want to watch Doug out of his comfort zone. He also takes it apart, you know, has a look inside. So it's fun. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit, Boat. Now, Aaron, our final video, again, not necessarily an Amiga video, but something pertinent to the world of a retro gaming and retro computing. Uh, the, the big news this week is that the Atari 2600 Plus has been released, and it's out there in the hands of the faithful. So... Yeah. Dan Wood put together this really, really nice-looking uh, unboxing video. I have not watched this. You made me aware of this right before we filmed. Aaron, you want to walk us through a little bit of this? Well, this week, everyone on YouTube that does any retro coverage is talking about the 2600-plus here, whatever it is, the new. And by the way, the Dan, I like Dan. He hasn't done it much here recently, but he says he's back in this video. And Dan got a review copy, which is what you're looking at here. That that he's talking about the difference in the box. The review copy mm-hmm. has an awesome box. It includes everything. The actual thing you get isn't all this stuff. And but, but so oh, and, but, and okay. there are but you what you get with your you get one joystick, and you get one game, and which is that ten in one games. And the funny thing is the game thing the cartridge they include with this thing is it has dip switches to set the game the different games mode. It's I like love a it. Odyssey. I love it. Uh, yeah. And 
it won't. The funny thing is, it, despite the fact that these guys just bought all the uh, Atari forum and stuff, this won't work with the Harmony card. So you have to buy real cards. But it only works with actual Atari cartridges. You have to buy real cartridges for it. That's the gimmick vote. Mm -hmm. so but it'll work with. But it it won't work with the Harmony card. But it will work with all the Atari twenty six hundred. Every games. it it's it's compatible with say probably ninety five percent of the. Right. Atari. I'm sure the Harmony card. The Harmony card probably has shenanigans going on inside. Well, of it. possibly, but the well, I'm sure they didn't want you to use it. That's why they made it that way. But this thing will work with probably 95 percent of the 2600 library and and almost all of the 7800 library, but not. It won't work with any of the homebrew on the 7800, from what I read. It works with some of the homebrew on this 2600. It comes with the joystick that comes with it. it's an actual Atari joystick. Um, of course, he Dan opens this thing up, and what you've got in here, Boat, is a. It's just a, a little tiny board that what what happens is you put you when you put the cartridge into this thing, it just dumps it and plays it. It's an emulation board, but it does play original cartridges, and your original Atari peripherals will mostly work, including trackballs and whatnot. I got a trackball for the Atari up here. I can hook it up to this thing. It's got HDMI out. <clears throat> it charges with a USB C. But I mean, you get no, it's a no frill system. You don't, it does not have an SD card. It does not have uh, anything that you would, no save state, none of that crap, nothing. It doesn't have any of that. Did your, what you're getting for your 129 bucks or 126 bucks is the Atari, a modern Atari with an HDMI and the one game. They have a pack you can buy that has two of the, of the spinners that we love with a four pack cartridge. But the, the here's the, what sucks about that. It doesn't have warlords on the four. On the four. I mean, how do you not put that on your spinner yeah, that, game? That, 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 seems, that seems like a misstep. Yeah, uh, it also plays new games. They've made new games for this thing, boat. That, but the new games will run on the old machine, so you can actually mm -hmm. play, which is kind of cool. And the new games look pretty good, I might add. Uh, but the, uh, it's an interesting looking gimmick. What do you think? I really, only reason I want to talk about this is just to get your thoughts. So, ponder this, if you will, boat. It's a Atari. It's 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 twenty percent smaller than the original uh, four switch. You've got you get an HDMI out. It plugs with USB. It works with all your most of your original cartridges because it's one joystick. What do you think about this as a deal? Well, here's the thing. At this point, we are twenty five years into sort of <laughs> the era of emulation. Yeah. Okay. So everybody has been had the opportunity or has has had the ability to play Atari 2600 games on whatever they wanted for the past 25 years. So what Atari is doing here is they're bringing you something that you can't get through emulation. And that is a something that you can hold in your hands, a physical object that will both tickle your nostalgia fancy as well as your insatiable desire for more hardware. I think this is a great business move from Atari. I think they made all of the right moves. Making this compatible with old-school Atari cartridges was an awesome move because people want that air of authenticity for the machine. This was always the thing. I know that with some of the flashback consoles, there was a hack you could do to make you know old consoles work. But what people have always said is they said, give me a way that I can play my old cartridges on my current TV. 
And yeah. this is what they've done. They've done exactly that. And they've done it and nobody else has done it as far as I know. Uh, I know none of the Nintendo systems have a real cartridge gimmick. I don't think right. any of the Genesis things have a real cartridge gimmick. This is the first one. I the think the Retron 76 did it. You know, those multi, those systems well, the, the, that were, you know. These are not officially licensed systems. Right, right, there's, right. There's a million. Th- I'm talking about things from the company. So I love the fact that they are reissuing paddles and joysticks. Yeah. Um, from what I can tell, the the paddles and joysticks are, are authentic to the, yes. uh, the, the originals, which Except is important. Better. The paddles are probably a million times more reliable. No, they're um, worse. The paddles are oh, worse. The joysticks the are better. Are okay. Well, okay. the paddles well, aren't as the paddles on the old twenty six hundred. They're pretty mm-hmm. good. Uh, mm-hmm. th- these aren't quite as, but they still they're probably more reliable. You probably got that right. And the joysticks are re-engineered, but they feel and look the same as the originals. From what I've heard. Right. And so you've got that plus, like I said, Atari has been uh, really investing in a new title. So, you know, the, the fact that they're making new Atari 2600 games, this is the thing that I, I wish instead of the neck, what the ZX Spectrum next was or what it has become, I wish they would have gone this route. To me, this is a better route where it's like, we're going to make a ZX Spectrum that's around 100 pounds that will give you connectivity options to your TV that retains the same form factor, and we're going to make some games for it. Instead, what the next did was like, we're going to make a new system that is more powerful than the old one, but still wildly less powerful than you know any sort of new contemporary system. And all of the new games that come out for it are just in that weird limbo state where it's like, we're not really sure if we want to, you know, go all out versus with the 2600, because you're really writing the game for the original specs, everybody is going to be on board with this. This is like the thing that everybody wants. Like I said, I think the the price point for what you get is probably okay when you consider that you do get a game with this. Um, I do see this dropping, you know, in price, just like all these things drop. I wish that you could buy because I did. I did look at the the Amazon listing. I wish that the review box was what you got. I wish you could pay 150 bucks and get what Dan got because that's an excellent looking package. And when you open a package that looks like that, you really feel like you got value for money. I uh, just to, you know, I'm holding here in my hands. I'm going to hold it for the camera if you're watching home. This is an this is an Atari 700. And so we t- we saw so much today about we saw so much about. The Atari this week. I thought it would be fun on the on the disaster stream to play some Atari, which is what I'm going to oh, do. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, hey, all I got to do is just I'll just rig up the old Atari to the uh, capture. No, and I've got <laughs> mine modded. It's still a pain in the butt. So mm-hmm. uh, I can uh, and I modded mine. So if you and the thing is, I will say one thing: this does give you. And you know, I'm pretty. I'm not super keen on a lot of these things, but this you're right. This I, I think the price is too high, but for what yeah. you get. If they gave you that box and that stuff for 129 bucks, that's a good deal. Mm-hmm. I, if for what you get, I'd say I'd get under the hundred dollar marks. What yeah, I would get, I, but I, I, I agree with you. With that said, uh, if you that what this has done is I've already seen people talking about going out and collecting Atari cartridges, which that's been a dead market forever. It, while everything else boomed, Atari cartridges just have I've got a boatload of them over here. All right. 
If you're like me and you've got a boatload of cartridges and, unlike me, you're the kind of person that likes to put cartridges in and out of the machine to play your games, I can see picking one of these up when the price is right. You know, uh, sort of like the C64 Mini or the, you know, there's a there's a place for it. All right, I'm down. I just don't think it's worth this much money right now. And, of course, one thing you're going to, I've seen a lot of people trying this out on YouTube. One thing you got to remember, these old cartridges are ancient. You've got to clean these things or they're not going to yeah. work. You can't blame yeah. the system for that. I mean, we're, uh, we're, we're knocking on 50 years. For, yeah, for, you know, for these I've got a couple of those Sears knockoffs of the Atari, you know, mm -hmm. the ones they licensed over. And yeah. guess what? Those aren't 100% compatible with the Atari, and neither is 7800. So the mm, slight incompatibility. I've seen a lot of people, like, focusing on how horrible that is. The, even back in the day, the Atari Junior right. is not 100% compatible either. Right. That's going to happen right. with some of your oddball, you know, who knows why? I don't know. You know, and the fact that this thing, I will say, you put the cartridge, it takes a while to load. Like five, mm. six seconds, and seventy-eight hundred takes about ten seconds to load every time. Ooh. Okay, yeah, because it's loading the oh, ROM. Actually, in, so. But here's the here's the thing. I did I did read this, and I don't know if you read this or not. Yeah, but you get around that because these carts are hot swappable because they're not really loading. So you don't have to take out. You can escape the BIOS and all that stuff just by yanking a cart out and putting another cart in. Yeah, but, but once you put the card in, it takes the. It, I'm not talking about the boot. I'm talking about actually, it sucks the ROM up. It takes okay. it a couple of seconds, you know. Okay. But I mean, it's not like you here. You watch this right here. He's doing it. It takes. Mm -hmm. That's a that's a normal. See that one didn't work, but uh, uh, it takes. It's not a deal breaker to me, you know. So I thought it was interesting. The dip switch thing, gutsy. I wouldn't mm -hmm. have expected that. I'll be honest with that you. Is, that is a gutsy maneuver. You yeah, know, and they also they also mentioned the joystick. The cords are too short, and that's one thing. The old cords are pretty long, so they shorten. And also, you don't get a power supply for your hundred twenty nine dollars. You just well, get the cord. I mean, what, why do you want that? Why do you need a power supply? I mean, the hook, what do you mean? Yeah, so you don't. Y'all, you, you don't even get like a wall ward. That's what I mean. Yeah, oh, and that's for. Okay. I hate that for a yeah, hundred some that, bucks. That, that's a misstep. You know, that's you're getting misstep. jobbed out. But so that's why I say that's why I think the price is a little much, but. There's a market for this. I've heard a lot of people besmirching this. And, you know, Atari, they're up and down like a yo-yo. Would I buy mm -hmm. this? No. But not, I maybe for like 50 bucks, I might. But if you're a collector of cartridges and you don't worry about multi-cartridge or this other stuff, you just wanna, and you, or you want to get into collecting them, or you're someone that just wants to play a bunch of old games, this is a good way to do it. They sell cartridges on the sly for this thing, too, Boat. Uh, Atari has an XP line where they're reissuing old games with new boxes mm -hmm. and, you know, new carts mm -hmm. that work and just I think fine that, in I this. think that some of the games also have uh, some, some additional features. For example, they've reissued Berserk for this, and uh, it will allow you, for example, to fire diagonally, which you couldn't do in the original 2016 It also version. talks. Yeah, it's got voice and it, samples. And so. it works on the original, which I thought was, mm -hmm. that's crazy. So I, must say, I don't yeah. know why they do that. Yeah. So, I mean, you like, know, the, the fact that they're t taking the extra steps to make it work on an original 2600, that's the kind of thing that, that says, hey, maybe these guys have some amount of integrity. Yeah, well, there you go. You know, while we're on the subject boat, uh, we were going to talk about, uh, there was a video that hit this week that had a lot of conjecture as to what was going to be released uh, from the, uh, what they called Retro Game Unlimited or whatever, the people that did yeah, the A500 mm -hmm. and the people that did the uh, C64 Mini. And there was a lot of speculation. Of course, uh, that we know for certain that the, the uh, some certain uh, Amiga 
uh, full-size versions coming out. We announced that last week. There was a lot of conjecture, though, due to the uh, name filings that were that were uh, that were issued. Someone got in there and looked up what they filed for copyrights on a trademarks boat. And among the things that this guy mentioned, and of course this is this guy, so you can take this with a grain of salt, the possibility of a uh, of a consoleized or a, a mini version of the ZX Spectrum was mentioned. The possibility of a miniaturized console, sort of like an A500 mini of the Atari uh, 800, the Atari 8-bit line, which we just talked about. I've also heard it bandied about uh, that the Jaguar was possibly going to be one of the gimmicks. And then the the one that is the most mind-blowing, uh, which many people say there's a 0% chance, but because they filed for a wacky version of it, I've heard people talking about the possibility of a miniaturized Apple II in the mix, boat. Any thought? Oh, and an MSX as well. Any thoughts on any of these making the the leap forward into mini status? Well, I'm going to take it from the most likely to the least likely. Yes, so that's the, great. The, the most the most likely would be your your system with a company that is no longer extant in any in meaningful way. So that would be something like your ZX Spectrum. That would be something like your MSX. Yeah, uh, ZX agree. Spectrum has had, I think, three people, uh, three different companies have had tried their hand at making a small version <laughs> of this. So I can see that happening. Okay. Yeah. Number two on the list is the MSX. Uh, I, you know, MSX. I'm not exactly sure what is or is not owned by Microsoft at this point in terms of the the software. Um, but I would say because MSX does not really have anything going on these days, that's the second most likely. Okay. Yeah. There's a very, there's, there's a very small chance that we will ever see retro games limited do anything for Atari because guess what? Atari will just do it themselves. There's no reason why they would give this British company who's put out some stuff, put out the a 500 mini the rights to put out something that could potentially make Atari a great amount of money on their own. So that probably is not going to happen. And the one that will absolutely never happen in a million billion years is the Apple II Mini. Apple is not licensing anything to anybody, anytime, anywhere. No way, no how. So that will never happen. You know, um, I, 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 agree with, I agree with you, unfortunately. Oh, and I want to I- add one more point. Yeah, this guy's video is based on the wildest amount of conjecture because I know what it's like to trademark something because I've done it because Neil and I trademarked this weekend retro. It's two hundred fifty bucks to trademark, and you trademark whatever you want. So Big the fact that they trademarked the Schmapple too doesn't mean crap. Doesn't mean anything. <clears throat> I will say this, and uh, the people over there. Uh, they've they've got a formula. It's a good formula. Step one. Well, so far it's worked with the C sixty four and the Amiga, right? And I also their this guy also had their sales numbers, which were mm-hmm. uh, interesting. Uh, but uh, um, assuming again, and I don't I, when this guy, which I know who he was, I can't remember his name. Um, it, they've got it because if you think about it, boat, you've now got an uh, you've got an A five hundred mini which is a great right. little – they did a good job. So mm-hmm. you've got something that's as powerful as – uh, that can do Amiga in a good way, okay? Mm-hmm. We all know that this is just a, a little gimmick, emulation gimmick, okay? Mm-hmm. So I have no doubt that none of – all those systems save the JAG 
are within the means of this, of a board of that type's ability to run. And at that point, you're looking at different plastic shells to hold the board. I mean, effectively, yeah. you know what I'm that's saying? Yeah, that's, that's, that is what, exactly what you're looking at. And so, so uh, can they do an MSX? Yes. Can they do uh, uh, the the ZX? They should, by the way. That's the one I would go for immediately. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, I have no heard. I've heard this thing about the Jaguar for. I heard this same thing from a, uh, different sources like a year ago. So I don't know what the, you know. It's, I don't know well, what yeah, I mean, that people is. People on the internet frequently talk about the same stuff that turns out well, not I, to be true. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I've heard about it, but that's what I did hear before. Uh, MSX. I'm like you. Could that would be great because that's a machine that's not the easiest to get anymore. I got lucky, you know. Uh, but uh, it would be and that's, you know an infinite library. Now, the thing you got to ask yourself is once you get past the ZX. And by the way, that's one machine, unlike the C64 and the Amiga. And the Amiga had a marginal footprint in the States. The ZX, has, that's a zero sales in the States. Ain't nobody going to buy one except for people like us. So then, so now you're getting into diminishing returns on these things. But the thing MSX, is, I mean, even if they never address the U.S. market, I mean, you can you can definitely sell enough systems in England to sure. recoup your expenses a million times over. Sure, and other places had this. I mean, I'm I'm not disparaging it. I'm just saying in America, you're not where you're, and that's where a lot of stuff you get some money. We're not gonna get involved. Uh, the rest of those, hey, I mean, I would love to see an Apple or a Jag or an MSX, but I mean, they've got stuff scheduled. We don't know what it is they're gonna release. I would go on the assumption that the, the the one thing we can hang our hat on is the ZX out of those. It's still exciting any way it goes. It's kind of fun uh, to to I see like what's coming about out. It. I like daydreaming about it, especially um, when we get to the point where, you know, you make the mini version, the mini version sells well, then you have the big version. Like you said, having a big version of an MSX in the right form factor with a working keyboard, that's an attractive proposition to me. This The Spectrum with the dead flesh that's a no-brainer. You can knock that out tomorrow, and people would pick it up. So. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, the thing is, there's no reason to do a mini ZX. Right. You right. just have you to. Just, you you jump straight is, to You the can cheap out on the that. keyboard. You cheap yeah. out on it big time. You know, <laughs> there was speculation, but before we close this topic, uh, there was speculation on the price of the A500 Max, and we mentioned this last week a little bit. I've heard people talking uh, about this thing costing somewhere in the ballpark of two fifty. Okay. Do you think it could go that high, two fifty? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that they could introduce this at two forty nine. Now, they, this is what you, you do it around the holidays, okay? And you're yeah. going to get suckers to buy this as gifts for the people that love retro stuff in their lives. You're going to get guys that ask their wives to buy this for them for Christmas. You yeah. can get away for charging a lot. Then once you get past the holidays, you just gradually drop the price down. This is what happens all the time. It, one would wonder I, 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 what you would get for that price. I mean, it's in terms of the keyboard quality. I mean, it's to see what they end up putting in that thing. Hey, it's fun to talk about this stuff, Boat. It's like, remember when we did these videos on the uh, the PC Mini long yeah. ago, uh, the games mm -hmm. we would have picked? We should do Man. one of these. You, you we should do that on the ZX. Want... You want to talk about a thing nobody's talking about anymore. It's the old PC Mini. That thing yeah, died. They, that never happened. They were ahead of yeah. the curve. They just forgot to make a game, Boat. That's it. Speaking right. of games... What do we got coming up next week? I'm going to let you delve into this, folks, because this is a special week, brother. Oh, 
Who is that handsome bald man? Oh man, it's who Neil. is he, Boat? It's Neil, uh, aka RMC. Next week we have a special guest host on Amigos for the first time ever. Uh, we have a host on Amigos that's not you or the Brent. Uh, we are actually introducing... you hosted with Bill one time. Oh yeah, I forgot about Bill. <laughs> Bill just entered the chat. Sorry, Bill. Oh, I Bill. totally forgot about your appearance. Yes, yeah. Barry Amigos. Bill. He's right there. <laughs> just bear. I, I did that on purpose. <laughs> so, um, anyway. Uh, we are going to be recording live from the cave because on Tuesday I'm taking off from, uh, Charleston, West Virginia and flying across the sea, landing in the land of the rising fun, England. Uh, they changed it. (laughs) (laughs) We are, uh, I'm going to spend a day in, in, uh, London. I'm going to work with, uh, the Brentwood Imperial Youth Band, uh, go to one of their rehearsals, see what they've got going on. I'm going to be spending a day, and I'm going to be uh, having lunch with a, a Amigos patron uh, that day. And then uh, I'm going to be heading over to Cambridge, Oxford. I'll be palling around with Pajaco and Pixels at Dawn. Uh, the the uh, Our itinerary for this whirlwind excursion is amazing. Pixels at Dawn has done an incredible job uh, building this thing from the ground up. Uh, I'm incredibly excited. And, uh, and then, of course, we're going to end the tour where everybody wants to end up. That's right, baby. Stroud. So we're going to we're going to the cave. <laughs> what a sell job. Stroud. <laughs> so uh we're gonna we're gonna hit the cave and actually before we hit the cave, we're gonna have a day excursion. We're gonna visit a model village uh where they have it's just like a, a little village that you could walk around that's small. We're gonna visit a toy and car museum. Uh, and uh, probably toss back a few with the local, so it'll be a uh, it'll be a a, a, a great uh, day before the cave day, and then on the cave day that will be even better. Uh, on the cave day, we will uh, be recording amigos. Uh, it's a sellout crowd, so if you haven't got your tickets yet, uh, you can tune in. Though I believe that some or all of the event will be live streamed on uh, RMC's YouTube channel, Ooh. and. Uh, we will be having a special appearance from the one and only Amigo Aaron on Big Telly. Well, that's less exciting, isn't it? I'm always here, and I'll be in my house. You know, you know. I want to talk about your itinerary real quick. You sent me this itinerary. How do you get people to do these things for you? This is a detailed itinerary that looks like it's like who who is your secretary, Bode? I couldn't believe I, this thing. I don't, I, you know, I don't question Pixels of Dawn's wisdom. I just accept it, and I and I and I, I revel in it. I revel in it. I do my itineraries um, in crayon on the back of a on the back of a menu from a Chinese <laughs> restaurant, and that thing's like professionally done. It yeah. looks like a good time over there, boat. Well, uh, and I forgot to mention the most exciting part of them all. We will be playing and hopefully streaming. Uh, Neil has worked hard. To uh, I think he's probably built the table with his own two hands. We will be playing Sabudio. Sabu, Sabu, Sabudio. That's right. That'll be great. That's, That's right. going to bring him in. Right there. That's why yeah. he sold that joint out right there. That's right. So I am over the moon to play. I'm going to hit all of the Yorkshire Pub League games, okay? Sabutu. I'm going to play uh, over there at the bumper pool. Yeah. Shove half penny. All of it. I found pubs that have all of these games. All those pubs on the itinerary, that's where we're going. You make sure you film some of that. 
You can play oh, some yeah. of those weird games that they have like set up at the table. That you know the thing that you throw the thing and it, it twists around. We're doing <laughs> that too, that? baby. Do it. Yeah. I gotta see that. That sounds great. <laughs> I love it, man. Well, have a good time, boat. You know, hey, I'll hold it good. down here. <laughs> hey, you've got it. Somebody's got to do the thanks for giving marathon this year. <laughs> oh yeah, good point. Speaking of, we should probably uh, prop that up a little bit. What's yeah. going on? The day after Thanksgiving. It's a week from today, Boat, actually. Yes, yes. This will be uh, November 24th, 2023, the yearly day of joy as myself and the Brent get at it for 10 to 12 hours of nonstop gaming action. We'll be out in the arcade. We'll be fired up. Brent's got a special gimmick this year. I don't know. He won't even tell me what it is to, to, to pick games. But we're going to go 12 <laughs> hours of just hanging playing games, and having a good time. That'll start uh, American uh, Eastern Standard Time, 9 a.m. on Friday, a week from today as we record this, mode. And how long is that going to go for? 12, 16? Well, I, I'm saying 10 to 12. It depends on how hardy the Brentster is that day mm. and how long I can. Because I mean, you got to think 12 hours alone with the Brent. That may be the <laughs> thanks for dying marathon at the end where I'm just I'll choke him out. You know, I have I haven't been to many Thanks for Giving marathons, but I'll never forget the one where I I was sitting behind you guys and the camera was set up in such a way that I looked like a hobbit. It, was, I looked it looked like you were tiny. several several yards away. Well, it's a, it was you know, like we, it was like Darby O'Gill and the little people all over. That's again, a trick but. I learned from Peter Jackson. Vote. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Hey, thank you as always for tuning in patreon.com slash amigos podcast we will see you live from the cave next week on rmc's switch channel rmc retro for lotus 2 until then adios. adios amigos is made possible by contributions from listeners like you patreon supporters help choose the games we play receive exclusive magnets and get access to the amigos retro gaming discord server visit patreon.com slash amigos podcast if you'd like to support the show and join our community.